recommend is just reading a, a little bit every day. And to help you keep track, we have Bible reading guides on the little tables at the back of the sanctuary. You can pick up a pledge form and, and a prayer card for uh, Ashley uh, on those same tables. But pick up a Bible reading guide. And, and I know that it's, uh, you know, September 19th. And so uh, don't, don't wait till January. It starts in January. But don't, don't wait till January. Just start uh, at the first square and read Genesis 1-1. And, and uh, keep going from there. And then, you know, as, as life happens, and sometimes we do get busy, and, and uh, we don't get to our Bible every single day, so it just helps us keep track of where we are. It's a plan I've used for, for 40 years. Uh, this year is my 40th reading of the Scripture. So, uh, and I've used this plan since day one, and it just keeps me on track, keeps me going, keeps me motivated, and I encourage you to read your Bible on a frequent basis. So uh, we, uh, we just, uh, you know, don't police that. You know, if you get started and you get stopped, and maybe you even forget, maybe you forget for a month, maybe you forget for, you know, two months, and then you think, oh my goodness, don't do the loser thing and just say, oh, I'm so far behind, I'm just gonna give up. Don't do that, okay? Um, you're not voted off the island, you don't get kicked out of the club. You know what you do? You just go back to where you left off, and then you keep going, okay? And uh, believe me, you will get through Leviticus, okay? I promise. Uh, you just read a little bit every day, and you will get through Leviticus. All right. <laughs> well, today I'm preaching on a subject I have never preached on before. Uh, there's probably a number of, of subjects in the Bible that I've never preached on yet, but uh, today is a, is a day where I have, I'm preaching on a subject I've never uh, touched before, um, but I have received some questions recently and I thought, you know, maybe it's on a lot of people's minds, or maybe there just needs to be kind of a rationale for the question that we're attempting to answer today from Scripture. And that is the, uh, the question, when is it okay, or when is it my responsibility to disobey the government? Okay? Now, I, I just probably divided the congregation right in half here. <laughs> I am neither advocating <laughs> or suggesting any kind of overthrow or re rebellion or anything like that. In fact, I, I, I want to uh, start this message with some very uh, important uh, reminders uh, that we are encouraged and supported by Scripture to obey the government. Um, and uh, we'll take a look at that in just a moment. But uh, the question is, when is it okay for Christians to uh, not obey the government? Well, here we are um, in uh, Acts chapter 5, if you want to find that in your Bibles. And to kind of give you a little setup, a little context for this uh, passage of Scripture here, um, the uh, disciples, the apostles, have been in Jerusalem since uh, the day of Pentecost. And uh, the day of Pentecost came, they were all filled, baptized with the Holy Spirit. And uh, it emboldened them to preach the name of Jesus. They, it emboldened them to, to preach the gospel, that Jesus had died, he had risen again, he is alive and that uh, salvation can be found in the name of Jesus. And so uh, they, uh, that kind of preaching got them in trouble uh, with the powers that be, with the authorities, and they were called in uh, to answer for their actions and to be severely uh, um, chastised for 
what they were doing. And uh, we'll pick it up here at Acts chapter 5, verses 28 and 29. Here is the, uh, the Sanhedrin saying, Did we not strictly command you not to teach in this name? And look, you have filled Jerusalem with your doctrine and intend to bring this man's blood on us. But Peter and the other apostles answered and said, We ought to obey God rather than man. Okay? So, so that gives us a, a lot of launch pad there. What does it mean to obey God rather than men? And when is that line, uh, where is that line, and, and when is it crossed? And those are some of the things we, we want to look at from Scripture today. So I, uh, I, as I said, I don't want to come across as some kind of rebel or revolutionary of the government. I, I tell you what, we have been privileged, and I, all of my 62 years, uh, I have lived in the United States of America. I love the United States of America, and I love this country. I love what it has done. It has done more good for more people in the history than any other country or society in the history of the world. And, uh, you know, if there is a disaster on the other side of the planet, the United States is there and uh, supplying food and water and equipment and all kinds of things. And, and, uh, but there are things, not to say that we are a perfect union, in fact, even our Constitution speaks to that, as that we are always creating a more perfect union. That's, that's the trajectory that, that the framers of our Constitution envisioned. And, uh, and that is our desire, that we continually uh, make better and refine and improve and, uh, and preserve the freedoms that have uh, been um, protected in our Constitution. One thing I want, I want to make clear, uh, just while I'm on this subject in general, is that our rights, uh, freedom of speech, freedom of worship, the right to own and bear arms, and, and uh, so on and so forth, do not come from our Constitution, okay? They do not come from our Constitution. They are protected in our Constitution, but they do not, the, the power for those rights does not come from the Constitution. Constitution's piece of paper, okay? Our rights come from God, okay? And uh, that is acknowledged in the Constitution itself, is that we have the right to pursue life, liberty, and happiness, and, uh, and that's what our, our rights are dedicated to. They're protected by our Constitution. So uh, we just want to make that straight, is that God is the one who grant us, grants us our rights, okay? They come from Him. They don't come from the government. They don't come from the Constitution. They come from God. And, uh, and those are things that, that we hold as, as sacred. So um, the question has come up, and I want to provide some biblical context and guidance here uh, about this question, when is it okay to disobey the government? Well, uh, let's approach it from this aspect, first of all. Number one, the Bible instructs us this, is that we should, number one, pray for those who are in authority, okay? That is our responsibility, okay? And uh, that, that uh, we are to uh, often uh, pray for those who are, and I, I think this is something uh, that, that we don't do enough. We don't uh, do very often. We kind of forget about it. You know, their day goes on, no problems. And, uh, and so we just never really often feel the need to pray for those in authority. But what we will see is we neglect our responsibility as Christians, as believers, to pray for those in authority. We will see an erosion 
of the protection of our rights. Okay, let's go to Scripture here, 1 Timothy chapter 2, and we want to read verses 1 through 3. This is Apostle Paul writing to Timothy, and he says this, Therefore I exhort first of all supplications, prayers, intercessions, and giving of thanks be made for all men, for kings, and all who are in authority. Now here's, here's why. This is why we should pray. If you hold you know, our, our way of life dear, if you hold our rights as sacred and, and uh, given by God, this is why we should pray for those in authority. I'll, I'll catch up again here. Um, pray for kings and all who are, are in authority that we may lead a quiet and peaceable life in all godliness and reverence. For this is good and acceptable in the sight of God our Savior. So as citizens of our country, as Christians within that, the country in which we live, we have a responsibility to pray for those in authority. And to the degree that we neglect that responsibility, we will see an erosion of the protection of our rights that come from God. So the Bible tells us, number one, pray for those in authority. Number two okay, is that the Bible tells us to be good citizens. All right, Romans chapter 13. This is a verse of scripture that many people read and it, and it, and it just uh, appears that you know, we're to obey the government under every circumstance. And that's not true. Uh, but we will read from uh, Romans chapter 13, verses 1 and 2. Paul writes, he says, Let every soul be subject to the governing authorities. For there is no authority except from God. That's a very important statement, okay? I don't want to just pass over that without comment. There is no authority except from God, okay? All authority is God's, okay? And, uh, and we are given certain authorities by God. We don't have our own authority. Nobody else gives us our authority. All authority comes from God. And the authorities that exist are appointed by God. Therefore, whoever resists the authority resists the ordinance of God. And those who resist will bring judgment on themselves. Now, that's, all of that is true. And, uh, and the Bible here is encouraging us that we should be model citizens. We are to obey the laws of the land and uh, laws that reflect the foundation of the Bible. Now, we live in what's called Western civilization. And and uh, in Western civilization, there, there is this sort of uh, pervasive foundational uh, philosophy and thought that, uh, that the principles of Scripture are, uh, are good and that we can build laws upon those principles that reflect those principles, and it is good for uh, everyone. And uh, that's uh, the way that you and I have lived. We've been born into that. We have grown up in that. We really don't know anything else. But uh, that may be true, but we should not take it for granted. Now, it's uh, one of our recent presidents said, uh, and it caused some stern controversy, is that he announced that, uh, we, that the United States is not a Christian nation. And uh, that is probably technically true. Uh, we are we are a secular society, and uh, to say that we're a secular society is to say that we don't acknowledge a deity. We don't. Uh, we don't have the establishment of a of a state religion. Uh, we are a secular society, and uh, that's not all bad. Um, there are non secular uh, govern governments in the world. 
uh, primarily uh, uh, you would, uh, a Muslim nation often are uh, where the, the church, if you will, the mosque and the state are one, and uh, one speaks as the other. Uh, that's not the way in our country, and uh, we probably don't want it that way. In our country, we have a secular uh, society uh, represented by the state, and we have the freedom of religion, and uh, the two should never merge. And uh, the Christianity is out there in the marketplace of ideas. Uh, we believe that uh, Christianity uh, promises the only true uh, spiritual life uh, out there, and uh, we we are in the marketplace with uh, Islam and uh, uh, other kinds of uh, faith claims out there. But we believe that Jesus is alive. He is he's uh, able to forgive us of our sin. He's able to grant us eternal life uh, through repentance of our sin and acceptance of Him as our Savior. And uh, and that's the the best thing going uh, out there. And so we're out, we're okay with the secular society that allows us to to uh, worship and to compete in the open marketplace for uh, ideas what it, uh, when it comes to uh, our spiritual lives and that we are to be witnesses of Jesus and, and uh, people who hold the gospel dear. Now, um, the fact that we are a secular society does not mean that our laws cannot reflect the principles of Scripture. And that's probably where it gets confusing. Now, you know, when uh, we have a law that says thou shalt not murder and, and uh, you know, the framers of our Constitution, you know, come along and say, well, you know, that's a pretty good principle principle, thou shalt not kill. So let's build some laws that, that uh, our country will abide by, that it is wrong to take the life of another. And, uh, and so it reflects biblical principle without being an uh, establishment of state religion, okay? And so as model citizens, we obey these laws. It's not, you know, because we're a Christian that, that uh, you know, civil society's laws uh, have no bearing on us. We are uh, urged by Scripture to, uh, to obey the laws of our land. And, uh, and that uh, we have produced, I, I think, something uh, that uh, has not been matched in, in any society around the world uh, ever by what has happened in the United States of America. We're the most benevolent. We're the most uh, welcoming. We're the most uh, industrious. Uh, we produce more, more goods and services than any other country in the world. I believe that's a result of, of God's underpinning of our society through law. And it's been said many, many times, we are a country of laws. We're a society of laws. And uh, many of those reflect Scripture. And so we are to obey those laws and uh, be model citizens. So, um, you know, it's not like we can leave church today, turn out onto the Kenai Spur Highway, go 90 miles an hour because we're Christians and we don't have to obey the laws of the land, right? Uh, you'll find out you have to, all right? <laughs> Um, no, we, we obey laws because that's what we are encouraged to in Scripture. And then number three, so we, uh, we are to pray for those in authority. We are to be model citizens. Number three is this, is that we are to pay taxes. Now, that really disappoints everybody. Um, but uh, we are to pay our taxes. Uh, Romans chapter 13, again, going back to Romans 13, 
of verses 6 and 7, Paul writes this, For because of this you also pay taxes, for they are God's ministers attending continually to this very thing. Render therefore all to all their due, taxes to whom taxes are due, customs to whom customs, fear to whom fear, honor to whom honor. And so we as Christians are to participate in this. Jesus himself when uh, faced with the question of whether we should pay taxes or not, uh, gave uh, a very succinct answer. And he says, give to Caesar what belongs to Caesar and give to God what belongs to God. And so Jesus himself is saying, yeah, you, uh, we need to pay taxes that take care of, of the governance and uh, safety and protection of our own society. And so uh, we've established here that Christians are to obey the governing authorities. Uh, We're to obey laws and even pay tax. And when all is well, and even when we disagree much with the governance of those in authority, we are still subject to the laws of the land. So uh, if we want to change those laws, we feel like the law is abusive, then then we can vote somebody in. We can run for office ourselves. We have that prerogative and we have that responsibility. And uh, and we, uh, you know, love to grumble and complain. Taxes are too high. They take too much. You know, I don't like what they do with our tax money and all that. Well, if that's true, then, then we have a responsibility to run for office and change it, okay? Uh, we can't withdraw from the process. Uh, we are commanded by Scripture to participate in it. So where's the line, okay? So we've established uh, that we are to pray for those in authority. And don't skip over that. It's not like that's not important if we don't do it. We get what we pray for. For, okay? And if we aren't praying for it, uh, we don't get it. And, uh, and so just pray for those in authority. We're to be model citizens and we are to even pay taxes. So when, where's the line? When do we not obey the government? This is probably sometimes a, a, a call that uh, people differ on and uh, maybe they have different uh, perspectives on this. But when governing authorities conflict with the laws of God, that is the line. When the government steps over that line, one thing that we have to understand is that there are spheres of authority. And in civil life, in civil government, there's a sphere of authority for that. And it's, and it's legitimate and it is ordained by God. And that is to regulate you know, if, if there's crime in our community, our civil laws deal with crime. Uh, when there is, uh, you know, needs for sanitation and, and protection and, and those kinds of things, our civil laws deal with that. And that's good and legitimate authority. Now, there's another sphere of authority, uh, and that's the, the, the sphere of the church. You have the state, you have the church, and those are separate spheres of authority. The church should not try to take over the the authority of the state. Now, Christians can run for office. They can they can uh, operate within that sphere, but in in the civil manner, and it should reflect our our values and uh, and our principles. Uh, it's not like you know we somehow we can shut that spigot off. Uh, we bring all that with us, and uh, we can influence how our state is run, or uh, you know our country, uh, even our local governments. Uh, but when it comes to the sphere of the church and its authority, the state should not usurp authority over the church, and those should always remain separate. Um, so when the state tries to uh, take over the 
sphere of authority in the church, um, we have the right and we have the obligation to, to uh, disobey and to not obey uh, those laws. So understand that when that happens, uh, it doesn't release us from all our obligations to live in a civil society. Uh, just because the government may require something of the church that overreaches its authority um, doesn't mean that we are released from the responsibility of living in civil society. So if the government is doing things that impinge upon our freedom of worship, doesn't mean it releases us from praying for those in authority. It doesn't mean it releases us from being a model citizen. It does not release us from paying taxes. As it, those things that are, you know, that are legitimate and right now will be legitimate and right, even if the government begins to interfere in the sphere of the church. And it is when and only those laws that directly or indirectly oppose the laws of God, that we will have a moral and just responsibility to not obey those particular laws that conflict with the law of God. Let me give you a biblical example of this. Uh, This is mentioned in Hebrews, but it's talking about an event that happened in the book of Exodus. So Hebrews chapter 11, the chapter we often uh, call the the chapter of faith, the faith chapter talks about scriptural people, biblical people who were examples of faith in operation. And so um, the writer of Hebrews is referring to when Moses, who was the leader of, of Israel out of Egypt, uh, was born. Now, prior to Moses being born, children of Israel were multiplying, uh, they were prospering, uh, they had lived in Egypt for 400 or so years, and uh, the Pharaoh that came to the throne in Egypt observed that uh, the children of Israel were more numerous, more powerful than the Egyptians themselves. And his fear was was that if an enemy came against the Egyptians, is that the Israelites would join the enemy against the Egyptians. And uh, so they put them into slavery, treated them very harshly, and uh, they began to cry out to God. And into that, into that whole context, Moses was born. And uh, this is the testimony of the writer of Hebrews about what happened with Moses. It says, Hebrews eleven twenty three by faith Moses, when he was born, was hid three months of his parents, because they saw he was a proper child and they were not afraid of the king's commandment. What was the king's commandment? That every male child born to the Israelites was to be thrown into the river and drowned. Okay, it was, it was a law of genocide. And uh, every male uh, Israelite uh, baby was to be murdered. His life was to be extinguished. It was to be drowned in the river. And so Moses' parents, uh, when Moses was born, they said, you know what, we're going to defy the king's commandment. And we're going to not drown our child. We're not going to throw him to the river. We are going to hide him and see what God is going to do. And we know what came out of that um, in, uh, in the book of Exodus. So this is important uh, picture for us. It's even though his parents were disobeying the king's commandment, it did not release them from all of their other obligations to follow the laws. They still went to work. They still uh, produced bricks in slavery uh, because of the king's commandment. And uh, that didn't defy the law of God. 
So they went and uh, made their living and, uh, and all, but in this thing where the commandment of the king conflicted uh, with the law of God, they chose to disobey the king's commandment. All right. So we've been kind of mixing some thoughts here, but uh, the first thought is that when the laws of God and the laws of man conflict, we go with the laws of God. All right. Number two is when there is government overreach. What is government overreach? That's what I talk about those spheres is when the sphere of the state interferes with the sphere of the church. And, uh, and when governing authorities rule in a just and benevolent way within their sphere, we are to obey. Um, and so we, we need to see that there should be a separation. The foundries of our country separated the sphere of government from the sphere of the spiritual realm or the church. There was to be no establishment of religion uh, in America. And I think that's probably a good plan. Um, those things always become divisive. That's in uh, the, the country of England. Um, the church and the state were one. The Anglican church and uh, the monarchy were were melded into one entity, and persecution against those who were not part of the Anglican church ensued. And uh, because of that, you and I are here today, because there was a group of pilgrims who, uh, who got on a ship, the Mayflower, and sailed to America and established a colony here. Why? So they could freely worship God according to their conscience. And that's why you and I are here today, uh, because there was a, a, the state of England and the church were melded into one, and it became very manipulated, became very divisive, and, uh, and so those brave souls uh, set out in, uh, in a, to a new world and so that they could, number one, uh, worship God as they felt the scriptures dictated. And so when government overreaches its rightful sphere into the sphere of the church, that's when we have a right, we have an obligation, we have a responsibility to disobey that order of the government, okay? And, uh, and that's, that's when we uh, say, nope, that's the line. And uh, that cannot be crossed. We're not going to uh, participate in that. Um, there's a n biblical example of this. And uh, it's, it's a fascinating picture into Scripture. I'll give you the reference here in just a moment. But uh, it was probably a very confusing time, although the priests at the, at the time saw very clearly the overreach of their king. Uh, it was King Uzziah, and uh, he was a very godly king. He was a king that uh, uh, God raised up, and he was obedient to the Lord. And because of that, there was great blessing on everything that he did. And uh, they defeated their enemies. Uh, Israel prospered, and it was a great season in Israel until there was a point where the king interfered with the, the sphere of, if you will, the church. It was, it was uh, Judaism, so it uh, wouldn't be the church per se, but you know the realm of the church uh, is what he interfered with. So look at Second Chronicles chapter 26, verses 14 through 20. Just kind of breaking into the middle of a, of a narrative here. It says, Then Uzziah prepared for them the entire army, shields, spears, helmets, body armor, bows, and slings to cast stones. And he made devices in Jerusalem invented by skillful men to be on the towers and corners to shoot arrows and large stones. So his fame spread far and wide, for he 
was marvelously helped till he became strong, okay? Little change there. Uh, this, this little picture here that's, uh, that we read there in Second Chronicles is Uzziah's rising in might and power. He's uh, victor, victorious over his enemies and uh, great uh, adulation and, and uh, praise is coming Uzziah's way. And it says that was, that was a wonderful thing until, until he became strong. Verse 16, but when he was strong, his heart was lifted up to his destruction. For he transgressed against the Lord his God, here's, pay t- attention here, by entering the temple of the Lord to burn incense on the altar of incense, okay? This is an intrusion by the state to take over the authority of the church, all right? The authority to burn incense on the altar of incense was only for the priest to do. It was not for the king. The king had no part. He had no authority in this sphere, okay? It'll state this in just a moment. So Azariah, verse 17, Azariah the priest went in after him, and with him were 80 priests of the Lord, valiant men. And they withstood King Uzziah and said to him, it is not for you, Uzziah, to burn incense to the Lord, but for the priests, for the sons of Aaron, who are consecrated to burn incense. Get out of the sanctuary, for you have trespassed. You shall have no honor from the Lord God. Okay, so this is, this, is a, this is incredible drama in Scripture. And, and what you are seeing is a standoff here between the state and the church. And the, the state reaching in, trying to take authority from the church and for themselves. And they are opposed by the priests and, uh, and, and uh, expelled from the sanctuary of God. Here's, here's Uzziah's response, verse 19. Then Uzziah became furious, and he had a censer in his hand to burn incense. So he was... He was going to do this. And while he was angry with the priests, leprosy broke out on his forehead before the priests in the house of the Lord beside the incense altar. Yeah, I think they're coming for us now, aren't they? Yeah. Okay. Um, and Azariah, the chief priest, and all the priests looked at him, and there on his forehead he was leprous. So they thrust him out of that place. Indeed, he also hurried to get out because the Lord had struck him. So this is, this is a very clear instance where there was an attempt to merge the two spheres of authority, state and church. And uh, because of very valiant, very courageous uh, priests, they withstood the king. Can you imagine king, popular king, uh, all kinds of praise and honor being heaped upon Uzziah because of all of his military conquests and, and the prosperity of the land? They are opposing him uh, because he is, he is taking authority that is illegitimate for him to take. And so we have to be clear uh, about where we are as Christians, as believers, as church, is that if the state takes, tries to take authority over the church, we have the right and the responsibility to oppose, okay? So that's, that is uh, probably for us the, the most uh, clear line for us to um, understand when, it is, when we are to not obey the government. Um, not to sound heroic and, and, uh, or anything like that, but just by way of reminder today, I've made the, the statement, I think, on three prior occasions, this would be the fourth time, that uh, should there be additional uh, mandates to uh, shut down uh, places of worship, as there were in 2020, is that we will not discontinue our worship services on Sunday, okay? All right. 
And I don't say that to be heroic or to posture in some sort of way. Um, I, I just, uh, I was convicted now in April of 2020, in May of 2020, we did, we did close. Uh, it was something I was totally unprepared for and, uh, you know, never been in a pandemic before, anything like that. And uh, with reluctance, it wasn't like I just was eager to do this, but with great reluctance, I, uh, we did close the doors of our church and we were online for two months. But by the time April was done, I said, you know what? We have done the wrong thing here. And uh, I told the staff, prepare. We are opening regardless of, of mandates. And don't you hate that word anymore? Uh, <laughs> of mandates. We are not going to close our doors. We're going to open our doors. And we're not going to limit it to 10 or 15 or 20 or 50 or whatever they say. Whoever comes will be welcome in the house of God. And, uh, and that's the way it will be. And we will never shut down again. Um, and whoever comes, comes. We want, to under, want everyone to understand this. Is we believe that COVID is a real threat. In fact, we lost a dear minister in our network just yesterday. Uh, she passed away and is now with the Lord. Uh, because of the effects of the COVID-19 virus. And uh, so we recognize this is a real deal. We do not fly in the face of the fact that this is a dangerous virus for some. And, uh, and so we uh, want you to know that. But we believe this is that it is your personal responsibility, not ours, to watch over your health, okay? Now we can, we want to make things clean, we want to make things safe. We got, got a little uh, disinfector fog machine and we go over the seats and uh, we keep things clean in the in the you know in the restrooms and all that we we do our responsibility here um but if you have concerns for your health it is your responsibility to stay home or to join us in the parking lot where you can get our service on fm radio or you can join us online at home um so understand we're not here to you know dictate to anybody your responsibility and uh, we would just encourage you to take steps to keep yourself safe wash your hands that's you know that's that's a biblical thing Thing. I don't know if you know that or not, but washing hands, it's all through Scripture. That's in Leviticus. You might get something out of Leviticus. Um, <laughs> uh, you know, and you know, if you want a mask, you know, we support that. We support all of that, but we will not shut down our worship services on Sunday on the Lord's Day. Why? Because we are commanded to gather in the house of the Lord on the Lord's Day and worship Him. Uh, even in places of great persecution, Iran, Iraq, uh, back in the Soviet Union days in Russia, uh, it, was, it is illegal to meet as a church and yet Christians gather. They have to do it underground. They have to do it in secret. Uh, they say one of the fastest growing churches in all the world is in Iran right now. Probably the, one of the greatest persecutors of the Christian faith. And uh, Christianity is growing there at a pace that is unbelievable. And uh, through an underground movement, it's, uh, it's interestingly enough, largely led by women. Uh, that throws some theological curveballs out there. Um, but uh, uh, it's, it's an amazing thing that happened. But that is, you know, in defiance of their government that says you can't meet as a church, you can't worship a Christian uh, faith, you cannot, you, cannot, uh, you know, uh, tell others about Jesus. They do that in defiance of that. And so um, we, you know, for whatever reason, are, are not going to ever close our doors again. And, uh, you know, if you need to stay home for health and safety purposes, we invite you to do that. Join us online. Join us in the parking lot. Listen on FM radio. Um, 
there are other ways to participate. So um, we will oppose further efforts to shut down our meeting together. In the book of Daniel, chapter 3, it's a great story. It's one of the, one of the foundational stories we read in. Uh, we, we get in Sunday school. Um, you know, you've talked about, we, you know the names Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, right? You know that story. And uh, in Daniel, chapter 3, King Nebuchadnezzar was the most powerful monarch on earth. His heart was lifted up in pride, and he decided one of the great things to do was to kind of have a loyalty test for all of his officials and all of his government people. And it says that he, he erected an uh, image in the wilderness there in Babylon and uh, invited all the government officials and people uh, of the land to worship that image. And uh, Daniel, or Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego were part of that. They were officials of the realm. They were officials of the kingdom. And uh, when the music was to play, the entire assembly was to bow down and worship this image. And uh, you probably know the story. So the music was played, and everyone bowed down except for Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And uh, because of that, they were hauled in to answer to the king himself. And he was furious with them for not complying, for not bowing down to the image. And uh, Daniel chapter 3, we're going we're gonna to pick it up at verse 16. It says this, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego answered and said to the king, O Nebuchadnezzar, we have no need to answer you in this matter. If that is the case, he had threatened them with throwing them into the fiery furnace. If that is the case, our God whom we serve is able to deliver us from the burning fiery furnace. And he will deliver us from your hand, O king. But if not, let it be known to you, O king, that we do not serve your gods, nor will we worship the gold image which you have set up. So there was a final answer. And of course, you know the story. They were bound. They were thrown into the fiery furnace. And uh, the only thing that burned was the ropes that had bound them and the walking around with the fourth person in the fire who was the Son of God. So understand, you know, we're not here to incite any anti-government sentiment, not what we're trying to do. But uh, I think we live in days of change, and we're experiencing things uh, in this day and age that we have never experienced before. And I think it's important uh, that maybe we answer some of these questions. Um, we are, again, to pray for those in authority. We are to be model citizens. We are even pay our taxes. But when the, the law of the land intersects with the law of God, that's when we have the right and the responsibility to say, no, we will not do that. And, uh, and so that's, that's where we stand today. And, and today, when we, when we leave and all that, we are under obligation from God to be model citizens when we turn onto the Spur Highway, okay? To obey the laws of the land, to honor those to whom honors do, to respect authority, and only when the law conflicts with the law of God do we have authority and legitimacy to say no. And so that's where we stand. And uh, we encourage you, uh, if you don't like the way things seem to be going at times, get involved. Attend a city council meeting. Get a, run for school board. Uh, run for local and state legislatures. And, and uh, get involved. And uh, bring your values with you. Bring your principles with you. And let that be reflected in the way that you vote. And the way that you govern. And the way that you uh, have input. Uh, because all of that is right and good. And uh, we... Uh, 
uh, we would encourage you to do so. And, and, and uh, as I started the service with an encouragement for you to read scripture, I think it's really important for you to be in the word of God. Um, I was asked recently for uh, a letter. Uh, somebody's child was attending a university that was requiring vaccination and they said they had a uh, personal objection to that uh, on, based on what they believed. But they, uh, they asked me for, to write a letter of uh, exemption from the vaccine mandate of that school. And I thought, you know what? You should be able to write that letter yourself. And if you wouldn't know what to say, then really our faith rings hollow. If we don't have the moral authority, if we don't have the biblical understanding uh, to write a letter like that, we have no business objecting, okay? So be in the Word of God. Study these things. Understand, ask the questions and, and dig in and do the research and all of those things. Because if we're going to stand up to, object, to object, we better know why. Otherwise, we'll look fool like fools and be irrelevant and uh, we're going to uh, face a lot more repercussions than we need to. And I'm not, I'm not here just trying to draw up sides. I'm in a way chastising us uh, that, uh, you know, you need, there, there was a preacher somewhere, I saw it on the news line, so it must be true, um, that uh, said, I will write you a letter of exemption if you give me so much money. And uh, I'm not going to do that, okay? I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to write your letter and, and uh, certainly wouldn't charge for it. But understand, if we have objection, we also have the right and responsibility to know why we're objecting. And uh, you'll find that in Scripture. You'll find that in the Word of God. He, he will give you enlightenment. It's all there for us. I'm going to ask our worship team to come and be ready to close our service today. And I, I know this isn't really a spiritual topic in the, in the normal sense that we deal with in church. And, and, uh, but I just felt like this is a time, this is an opportunity. Um, I, we don't know what the future holds. And I pray that, uh, that we will be able to navigate the future under the direction and guidance of the Holy Spirit uh, in ways that uh, will just uh, keep us, you know, in good graces with our government and with our neighbors and everybody around us. Um, but uh, we, we need to somehow impress upon ourselves the seriousness of the time in which we live, all right? And uh, we just kind of take it for granted. It's like, well, you know, we went through this whole day and nobody opposed me about this or that or, or whatever. But let me tell you what, that can change. Um, you know, I just prayed with somebody recently at work. You know, they have a conviction not to take the vaccination and, and experiencing some ridicule and some uh, things, you know, things can change in a moment, you know, or your friends and you get along really good and one moment, one thing changes and all of a sudden you're on the outside. And that can happen with the church. And we better be knowledgeable and ready ahead of time, okay? It's like going to the hardware store after the earthquake, okay? You know, we just need to be prepared ahead of time. And uh, I would encourage you to do that. Would you uh, bow your heads with me today? And let me just invite anyone here today who doesn't know Jesus as their Savior and Lord. Um, you know, we, we believe that Jesus is the answer to every need in life. And if you don't know Jesus as your Savior and Lord today, I encourage you, just reach out to him today. There's three steps to what we call salvation. And the first step is to admit that we're sinners. Romans 3.23 says, For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. That means all of us and every one of us are sinners. Some of us just have not admitted that yet. The reason why we need to know that is because Romans 6.23 goes on to say, For the wages of sin, the result of sin, the consequences of sin, is death. We will live an existence without God, without any recourse to forgiveness, if we remain sinners. But Romans 6.23 goes on to say, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Today that can be yours, eternal life 
What's going to happen when we pass from this life to the next? Well, we know if Jesus is our Savior and Lord. And so the first step in that is to believe. Once we've admitted we're sinners, we believe that Jesus is able to forgive us of our sin because he has died on the cross, paid the penalty for our sin, and he rose again. The question is, do you believe that? Romans 10.10 says, For with the heart one believes unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. And that leads us right to that third and final step. Confess Jesus as our Lord today. It says in Romans 10.9, You confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead. You will be saved. So you can make this prayer your own today. Heavenly Father, admit that I'm a sinner. I've done things wrong, I've said things wrong, I've lied, I've broken promises, done things, Lord, that well qualify me to be a sinner. And I ask today for your forgiveness. I believe that you died on the cross to pay for my sin and now are alive to offer me forgiveness. And I ask of you forgiveness today. I believe, Lord, that you are willing and able to do that. And as I receive that forgiveness of my sin, I confess you to be the Lord, Savior of my life. So would you come into my heart, teach me how to live in a way that is pleasing to God, obedient to the Word of God, that I might know eternal life when this life is done. And we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Would you stand as we close with a final song today? All right, family. This beautiful, cool, dry weather is about lost, made me about lose my voice. So sing real loud.
Praise God. Heavenly Father, as we close this time together today, Lord, let it be with your blessing over us. Lord, we pray that we would be reminded often to pray for those in authority over us, that we may lead a quiet, peaceable life in all godliness. And Lord, that uh, we would be model citizens in our community. And Lord, that we'd even pay our taxes. Father, we pray that as we go today, Lord, let us be people of the Word of God. Lord, let us be in it frequently. Father, we pray that uh, you direct our thoughts and our understanding to grasp what you're speaking to us. Father, that we can live in a time like this, Lord, with confidence and, Lord, preparedness, Lord, for whatever may come. And we pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. God bless you. Thanks for coming to the house of the Lord today. Uh, go out there and be model citizens, okay? God bless you. Have a great week.